0: Hi everyone, it's Ben from Dark Histories here. Uh, I just wanted to throw out a quick heads up at the start of the episode this week to make sure everyone knows the upcoming schedule. Um, This week's episode will be the final episode of Season 1 and the final episode of 2017. Uh, I'm going to take a short break over Christmas and return the first week of January. And I'd also like to ask again for your guys' help with putting together the Christmas Campfire bonus episode. So if you have any tales of cults, the paranormal, the unexplained... Forteana or just the straight up bazaar that you'd like to tell others, send them into my email at contact at histories before the 24th December and I'll narrate them to make up a bonus episode that I'll release between Christmas and New Year. I'll give a few more details at the end of the episode about that, but for now, on with the episode. Dating back to 1823, the American Christmas Elf is an immediately recognisable character in modern Anglo-American Christmas traditions. They are a short, enthusiastic little helper who makes toys, takes care of the reindeer, and check in on children's behaviour. The Christmas Elf carries very little threat and aligns with the benevolent nature of Santa Claus himself. In a more distant past, tangled among European folklore where the Elves roots are firmly buried in the frozen winter ground, their origins are far from friendly little cherubs making wooden trains however. This is Dark Histories where the facts are worse than fiction. Elves have a long tradition in folklore, dating back over a thousand years. Largely independent of Christmas, it wasn't until 1823 with the publication of the classic Christmas poem attributed to Clement Clark Moore, A Visit from St Nicholas, more commonly known today as The Night Before Christmas, that the mention of elves in relation to Christmas and the Anglo-American version of the Santa Claus figure was born. In the poem, Santa Claus himself is actually mentioned as a jolly old elf. He had a broad face, and little round belly, that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. In 1857, this was extended when Harper's Weekly, an American political publication, printed a poem called The Wonders of Santa Claus that referred to his helpers as elves who would make toys and fill the stockings of children on Christmas Eve night. Disney released a short film in 1932 called Santa's Workshop that had the elves helping out prepping Santa for his journey, delivering presents as well as doing tasks around the workshop. This is, more or less, a depiction of Santa's elves that still holds true today and has gone mostly unchanged in popular media and entertainment for almost a hundred years. The concept of Santa's little helper, however, is not entirely modern. And long before he was depicted as a rosy cheeked man full of cheer with a white beard and red costume, Santa had help of a different kind. Prior to the insertion of Christianity, the tradition of a gift bringer during winter festivals was widespread throughout Europe. In Germanic paganism, the midwinter festival of Yule had Wodan or Odin, the leader of the wild hunt. A ghostly visage of a supernatural horde of huntsmen, depicted in folk mythologies throughout northern Europe, that would tear across the land on midwinter nights. Odin was depicted as an old man wearing a cloak. He had only one eye and a long white beard. He led the hunt on a white eight-legged horse named Sleipnir and wielded Gungnir, a legendary mythological spear. He was feared and loved in folklore. The Wild Hunt was said to bring raucous scenes to villages, and as he rode past in the sky on Sleipnir, Odin would leave gifts of fruit and sweets in children's boots along with weapons for the adult men. There are some scholars who claim Odin was the original inception of the gift-bringing figure we have today, though it is debated alongside the theory that Sleipnir shows some parallels with Santa's sleigh, or perhaps the magical reindeer. Though again these links are debated, the history itself is mired in folklore and varies so much that making any solid links between the two would be a very difficult task. Although having some earlier presence in Europe, it wasn't until later, after the widespread introduction of Catholicism, that a more prominent version of the modern Santa Claus emerged throughout Europe and took the primary position for a midwinter festival. Among other things, St Nicholas was the patron saint of children and was celebrated on St Nicholas' day, the 6th of December. Gifts were given in celebration and thanks for the miracles he had worked throughout his life, such as bringing back from the dead three children who had been murdered by a butcher and saving a young family of child prostitutes. He was celebrated for his benevolence and good cheer and in recognition of his miracles and status as a protector, after the Protestant Reformation, Christmas Day was worked into the annual calendar to bring the midwinter festival to focus more on the birth of Jesus. However, the traditions of St. Nicholas's Day remained, and many of the traditions merged with Christmas Day. St. Nicholas as a gift bringer was one such tradition that shifted to the newer holiday, though his life as a saint was diminished to a sideline in favour of the Nativity tale. St. Nicholas, much like Santa Claus today, did not work alone. Just like the Santa Claus figure of today, he too judged the behaviour of children and gifted to them accordingly. And just like with the elves today, he too had a band of helpers. Throughout Europe, there are folk tales of several figures who helped him to judge whether or not children had been good or bad. Some are widely known, whilst others are regional variations, and some are more forgiving than others though they all hold a similar role, that of a judge and jury, and as a child in the 17th century Europe, you'd best hope you have behaved well. First appearing in Germany during the 17th century, Necht Ruprecht or farmhand Rupert is one of St. Nicholas's most widely known helpers. In some countries he was working alone as both benefactor and punisher, whilst in others he acted as an assistant to St Nicholas, doling out punishment to naughty children. He was depicted as an old man who walked with a limp. He wore tatty and torn robes of black or dark brown and carried a bag of ashes and a long wooden staff. He would approach parents to ask if their children had been good or not, often asking if they had been praying. If the children had been good and had diligently prayed throughout the year, he would give them gifts of fruits, nuts and gingerbread. However, if the children had neglected their religious duties, he would beat them with the bag of ashes. In some stories he gave them gifts of coal, sticks or stones, and in Austria there were tales that he would take the worst offenders into the darkness of the winter woods and beat them with birch sticks before stuffing them into a hessian sack and tossing them into the river, never to be seen again. In southern Germany, the character of Belsnickel is a common associate of St. Nicholas. There are some scholars who believe him to be a regional variant of Necht Ruprecht, however unlike Necht Ruprecht, Belsnickel operated solo rather than working alongside St. Nicholas. His name is derived from Belsen, the German word for wallop, and Nickel, a diminutive form of Nicholas. Belsnickel was also depicted as wearing tatty robes and walking with a limp. He wore fur clothing, carried a large stick and painted his face or wore a mask. He watched children throughout the year, monitoring their behaviour for St. Nicholas, and on the night of St. Nicholas's day, shortly after children went to bed, he would knock on their windows to enter their rooms. If the children were deemed by Bell's Nickel to have been good, he would leave them gifts of snacks and cakes which he carried in his pockets. However, if the children were judged to have had bad behaviour throughout the year, he would beat them with his stick. That's if they were lucky. Some stories told of how he would drag the bad children out of their rooms and off into the forest where they would never be seen again. Interestingly, due to German migration to the USA, Belsnickel has some folk history in Pennsylvania and Indiana, where celebrations still told stories of his work and legends of his judgments were still told to some children right up until modern times. Perkter was one of St. Nicholas's more troubling associates. Originally she was a pagan goddess depicted in two forms as both a pale young woman of immense beauty and a haggard old lady. In her haggard form, she wore black robes, torn and road worn, and had a hooked nose. Some scholars date Perktas's activities during midwinter as far back as the 10th century, and her presence still holds a central role in celebrations today in Austria and many other southern European countries. Perkta roamed the land during midwinter, followed either by a band of tiny demons or sometimes unbaptised babies. Throughout the 12 days of Christmas, she would enter the houses of families and ask the children and young servants if they had been good and worked hard throughout the year. If they had been good, she would lay a silver coin in their boots and no doubt a sigh of relief in their hearts, as if they had been deemed to have been bad Pacta would slit open their stomachs, remove their innards and stuff them with straw and pebbles. There are still many more of St. Nicholas's Little Helpers. Most are all variations of the previous, doling out punishments to naughty children and working alongside the benevolent saint. There is one, however, whose name is perhaps a little more famous in modern times, even outside of traditional folklore, that of the Krampus. Deriving from Krampen, the German word for claw, Krampus was a horned, demon-like figure walking upright on two legs, with the lower half of his body taking on goat-like appearance, complete with cloven hooves. His body is often depicted covered in dark fur and he often had a tail. He had large fangs and a long tongue and was, for all intents and purposes, very close to the classical depiction of a devil figure. Though he also held many similarities with earlier folk creatures, such as fauns from Roman mythology and satyrs from the Greeks. By the 17th century, Krampus was fully integrated into the midwinter festivals and a staple by the side of St. Nicholas. One of the scarier elements of the Krampus character are the chains he carried with him, dragging them behind him as he walked into towns and villages at times thrashing them about to let the children know Krampus was coming. He was always depicted as carrying bundles of birch sticks and often with a wicker basket strapped to his back. These were, in typical fashion, the tools of which Krampus used to punish the bad children. Krampus differed from the previous associates of Saint Nicholas in that, in many regions, he had a night dedicated solely to him. The 5th of December, one day before St. Nicholas's Day, is the festival known as Krampusnacht. On Krampusnacht, the Horned Helper appeared to take care of the bad children, leaving the good for St. Nicholas on the next night. As night fell, children would clean their boots and place them in the porch or by the front door of their houses and in softer versions of the tale, Krampus would roam the streets, simply placing birch sticks within the boots of the children he had judged as having misbehaved. There are, however, other versions, one in which he would use the birch sticks to beat the children, and in more extreme folk tales, Krampus used his wicker basket to scoop up the children and transport them away, either into the woods or down to his chambers in the underworld, where he would chain and beat them lost forever. Throughout history, across physical borders and spiritual eras, we see time and again similar depictions of these characters that closely resemble one another. In Iceland there are the Yule Lads whose depictions over time have varied from a gang of young pranksters to demonic monsters that eat children though their role as both judge and gift-bringer to children over the Christmas period has remained the same. Iceland too has the myth of the Yule Cat, a feline stalker who visited children on Christmas Eve and would bring either gifts or punishment, depending on their work rate throughout the year, a criteria which was symbolised by the state of their clothing, as only the well-dressed children or workers with new clothes would have been the ones who had worked hard during the cotton harvest in the run-up to midwinter with a successful harvest being rewarded with clothes made from the said cotton. In some areas of France there was Hans Trapp, a man who disguised himself as a scarecrow to capture poorly behaved children who was struck down by God and now returned on Christmas Eve to punish poorly behaved children. France also retains the legend of Pere Futard, the very butcher who killed the children Saint Nicholas was said to have brought back to life. After the miracle was performed, Père Foutard was brought into the service of Saint Nicholas to punish naughty children on Christmas Eve. Despite the at times extreme depictions of Saint Nicholas's helpers, they are not necessarily evil spirits or demons themselves. Saint Nicholas was a benevolent character, he brought happiness and positivity and so These helpers represented the darker side of the festivals to allow Nicholas to maintain his benevolent figure. Krampus and co. were necessary punishers working together. They were manifestations of a duality as a manner of teaching people right from wrong, good from bad, and fostering a fear to keep children in line with the societal expectations of the times. We still use a similar yet much softened version of the same folklore in modern society. If you misbehave, Santa won't bring gifts, and in some cases will only bring coal. Over time, the folklore of the winter gift-bringer has become much more mild, though the end result is the same. Nowadays, Krampus and various other companions of Saint Nicholas are still celebrated, though again their presence is much softened. They have become mythological figures in old folktales and characters to dress up as and celebrate the winter solstice or the holiday season in a time for cheer and as a reaction to the commercialism of Christmas itself. Midwinter remains a period of the year when the dark surrounds us and we look to celebrations and festivities to see us through and bring us together. Thanks for listening, please rate, subscribe and sleep tight. Thanks for listening. Um, it's a slightly shorter episode this week, though I hope it was still interesting and a bit of folklore fun. Honestly, I have to admit, I did struggle with focusing on a darker subject matter that I would normally release. Um, in the run-up to Christmas, I just can't really bring myself to do any deep research into stories of murder with the sound of the runnettes playing in the background. Or maybe I'm just a massive child. Um So if you have any tales to send in for Christmas campfire episode, that'd be great. I have actually received a few really good submissions so far. One or two, which is like properly straight up freaked me out. And that's, that's been really awesome. Um, And I'd love it if you got involved. So please do write in before the 24th of December. And that should be a really fun bonus episode to bridge the gap between the seasons. Um, So you can send those emails to me at, contact at darkhistories.com. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you get a second, please leave a rating or review in your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to further support the show, hit up our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash dark or by going to my website at darkhistories.com and clicking on the support page. You can get involved or get in touch with me either through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash podcast or through Twitter, Uh, my handle is at Dark Histories, which is one word. And to be honest, I'm most active on Twitter. So yeah, as mentioned quickly at the start of the episode, this brings a close to season one, and I'll be back in a new year with the first episode of season two, where I'm going to be looking at a strange occult group that left its mark on London, when a mysterious body was found floating in the Thames. Until then, there's not really much left for me to say except to express my sincerest thanks for listening and supporting the show and to wish you all a very merry Christmas and a happy new year. I hope the holidays will bring you all everything you could wish for. And for those who Christmas isn't really a thing, my sincerest wish is that you'll have an enjoyable holiday period and the new year however you spend the time. So thanks for listening. Without you guys getting in contact and supporting my motivation would probably be long since gone. So really thank you all for everything throughout the last year. Um, Stay safe, stay warm, remember to behave yourself lest you find yourself waking up to the face of Krampus. I'll see you all soon.